Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Emily Green, otherwise known as Emily the Medium. This show is a space where I'll share my teachings around life after death, the soul, intuition, developing psychic abilities, and so much more. Together, we will expand our minds beyond what is widely accepted as truth and start to see the mind, body, and soul from a completely different perspective. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be back here with you after a little while. I hope you enjoyed your little break of time so that you could listen to the amazing episode I had last time with Janet Parsons. It was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, and I'm so happy to be back with you and following up that amazing interview with today's episode, which is going to be a Q&A. I haven't done a Q&A in quite a while um, since probably, actually, yeah, probably about a year or so plus more. So I put out some feelers on social media and got some amazing questions from all of you. So I can't wait to get into all of these very intelligently worded, brilliant questions, very thought-provoking questions in today's episode. But before we get to the Q&A, I have some very, very exciting announcements. Um, a couple, actually. There's there's quite a few. I had to write them all down to make sure that I didn't forget any of the exciting things that have been going on over here. So let me preface this by saying pretty much since I came out as a professional psychic medium, it was always my dream and my vision to have a space where I could kind of house all of my work, my teachings. I wanted to create a space where past and current and future clients and people that I had done readings for, mentorship clients could connect and could share stories and could share inspiration and ask questions and all of that kind of amazing stuff. And up until this point, I've only done kind of smaller group programs here and there in collaboration, or I've done private mentorship, but I've never truly had a group platform um, or a collective platform or a membership platform, which is what I have created. And I'm so excited. It's pretty neat, actually, how this kind of came to me. I was um, sitting in meditation one evening a couple weeks ago, and this was totally not on my radar creating this when I created it this fall. It was not on my radar at all. I was like, hmm, maybe in 2021, spring 2021 kind of thing. It was just not on the plan. And I was sitting in meditation and I kind of got this um, very, very uh, prominent push to that actually now was the time to launch this collective, that to launch this membership platform. So that is what I did, my friends. I created Emily the Medium the collective platform, which is a monthly membership platform that is really, it's always a big, really something that's really important to me to make this work accessible. Because as I have said many times before, I believe that this is not a luxury, um, developing intuition, understanding psychic abilities, being able to connect to your own loved ones. These are not luxury things or luxury you know, development pieces. These are things that I believe everybody should have access to in some capacity. And I understand that the, in this sort of the spiritual space is not always the, or the coaching space or whatever you want to call it, is not always the most accessible. So accessibility was always a really important sort of 
factor for me. Um, and the best way to do that and to create that space and to hold that space was in a group coaching kind of group mentorship platform. So that's what I've done. So this this membership, I have poured my intent the last couple of weeks. It's just taken up all of my focus and my attention. I have absolutely poured my entire heart and soul into this. And I wish it was starting now. But um, but we don't start for another couple of weeks. We, we kick off the membership on October 31st, um, which is obviously Halloween or Samhain or whatever sort of tradition you celebrate on that day. Um, and it's also the full moon. So it's a very special, very auspicious, very high energy day. So I thought, what a perfect, more perfect time to kick off my membership. So that's when we start. And then our first month of content will be November 2020. And I, have, I just actually finalized the calendar today. There's so many incredible things that we're going to be doing on a month-to-month -month basis, like weekly energy updates. I'm going to be doing group coaching calls, development workshops, intuitive development workshops, psychic development workshops, mediumship development workshops. Um, I'm going to be doing intuition 101 classes. I'm going to be doing workshops on intuitive decision-making and so much more. Um, I'll be popping into the group to share inspirational teachings from spirit. I will be doing live mini readings. Oh my gosh, there's just so much. I have really, truly have poured my entire uh, heart into this collective, into this membership platform, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So enrollment is open now. I am going to post the link in the show notes so that you can head on over there and check out the page and see if it sounds like a right fit for you. Please feel free, as always, to send me a message to let me know if you have any questions. And most importantly, I really intentionally chose the, the price point per month very specifically, again, because I wanted to make it accessible. But I understand that at this price point, that may not be still accessible for everybody. So if you are feeling really called to this, this membership, to this collective, but it still doesn't feel accessible for you in any way, shape or form, please feel free to reach out. I'm always willing to be flexible with these things. Um, and the price point is set at $55 a month. So that is what's up, everybody. I'm so excited to share this with you and I can't wait to continue talking about it and just, I already have some amazing people joining in and I can't wait to see who else is going to join me in this membership platform, in this collective. You can join or leave at any time. You don't have to. If you come in and you need to leave for whatever reason, at any time, no questions asked, no problem at all. You can jump out, jump in whenever you need, whenever you want. So. I can't wait to have you. I can't wait to get this going. I wish it was October 31st already, but we still have to wait a couple more weeks, alas. So that is the first exciting announcement that I have. The next exciting announcement that I have is some of you may see, and if you follow me on social media, that uh, my business partner and one of my very closest and dearest friends, Stephanie Don Elizabeth, and I, in the summer, we launched uh, a, a program or our schools, um, Ascension School and the Psychic Academy, which was our joint collaboration, really meant to create a collaborative community space surrounding Steph's teachings around Ascension and inner work and all that kind of, and finding your own kind of uniqueness and your own magic and my teachings around psychic development and all that comes with that. So this is more of a specific uh, sort of program because it is a collaboration. It's a blend of both of our works and our individual teachings. And I definitely tend to focus a little bit more here on more of the psychic development side. So that's kind of the difference between the, uh, the my collective and this collaboration with Steph. Um, but we've actually just restructured the 
entire framework of the schools. So we have a new price point. We have just kind of rejigged the whole thing in the interest, again, of accessibility and making sure that we can welcome in as many people as possible who are interested in the schools and interested in Steph and I's work as a joint kind of project um, and who are interested in my work and are also interested in our work and, and sorry, her work and just seeing how both of them can be so beautifully complementary. So we have actually relaunched that. I'm going to link the sign up page for that in the show notes. Uh, we have been we've been going for um, two months, a month and a half already in the schools, and we're just having so much fun. And the the women who are already a part of the schools are having so many amazing breakthroughs um, and just so many aha moments, which has been just so incredible to witness, as always. So that is that. And then lastly, before we get into today's Q&A episode, I wanted to give another shout out to Sarah Small over at The Uncensored Empath. I want you to head on over there and check out her podcast if you haven't already. She is on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but she has such an amazing bank of incredible episodes that you need to listen to. I've actually been going back and listening to episodes from, I just pretty much want to listen and absorb every single piece of information that Sarah puts out. So I've been going back and, and really catching myself up on um, older episodes and things like that and just really soaking in all of her wisdom and her inspiration. As always, I love the way that she speaks about things. I think she brings such a fresh perspective and angle to the sort of the empath conversation and what it means to be an empath and just really has very fresh and unique content and very digestible content. So I love her stuff. Check her, her podcast out at The Uncensored Empath. Her name is Sarah Small. And while you're at it, check her out on Instagram as well. She has an amazing page filled with, again, amazing content that is so intelligently put together. And it's also just incredibly beautiful. So I think you will love her stuff. Check her out. And without further ado, let's get to today's Q&A. All right, everybody, let's get into today's Q&A. You all are so amazing. Literally up until about three minutes before I recorded, sat down to record this episode, you were all still sending me questions. And so I had to cap it at a certain point. So if I don't get to your question in today's episode, please know that I always intend to, I love recording Q&As. I love answering questions. Questions are my favorite, favorite, favorite thing. I'm a generator in human design, so I love to respond to things. So responding to questions is one of my favorite things to do. So if I don't get to your question in today's episode, I will be doing another Q&A in the near future. All right. So the first question that I had come in was, how do I try to connect to the other side? I've been told that I have a gift, but I need help connecting. Yeah. So great question. This is, you know, I talk about this a lot. This is one of my favorite topics, obviously, is development, mediumship development, realizing when you are being called by spirit to either connect to your own loved ones or connect and communicate with the loved ones of other people. So first of all, I'm assuming that when you say you've been told you have a gift, you have been told by somebody else, whether that is another medium or an intuitive or something of that nature, which was the case in my story as well. I think I've told this story before that the reason that I kind of actually had the awakening that I had is because somebody else sort of helped me realize that this is what was going on with me. I'm sure I probably would have realized it down the line, but it was really helpful to have somebody else kind of phrase it 
in that way and bring it to my attention in that way. So I assume you have been kind of brought to, you know, this has been brought to your attention by somebody else in some way. Also, I want to just be really careful with language here because I find that language is super important when we're talking about um, this kind of thing. One of the biggest things that I'm looking to destigmatize in the sort of development space, whether that's mediumship or psychic, is um, the, the languaging of, of using the word gift. And I'm really careful with this because I find that when we use the word gift, it sort of alludes to the fact that we are a special gifted person and that somebody else may not be gifted the same way that we are, which of course is untrue. It just means that we may have a higher capacity for natural mediumship and somebody else may have to sort of develop it a little bit more. So I really encourage people to use the languaging of ability instead of gift, um, just so we can really be super inclusive in, develop in the development space. So that's the first two things. Now, the other couple things that I would say is trying to connect to the other side. When you are first kind of coming online to your ability your mediumship ability, your ability to connect. The easiest way to do that is to create a link or create a connection to your own loved ones on the other side. Whether you knew them really well, whether you have never met them before, whether you only knew them for a short period of time, it doesn't matter. One of the most beautiful and simple thing, ways that you can start trying to connect to the other side is every day when you wake up is inviting your ancestors into your space. So really calling on your lineage, calling on your ancestors, calling on your loved ones, and asking them to be with you, to communicate with you, to make their presence known in whatever way that looks like. That can look like maybe you're asking them for a sign or a symbol, a very specific sign or symbol that can just be Maybe you feeling their presence physically or emotionally. Maybe that means that they come to you in a dream or whatever that looks like. So when we can create a link to our own loved ones and really understand our connection with our own loved ones first, that makes it so much easier to kind of bridge our awareness higher into the other side of sort of connecting with other people's loved ones or connecting to the other side in that way. So that's the first way that I would start. Another thing that I would suggest also is I really don't know where I would be if I didn't have my mentors along the way, mediumship development mentors. So I really also do suggest having somebody who has been through the process of mediumship development and who can kind of give you exercises to work on helping you connect, who can sort of support you through the process, who can, you know, answer if you don't know what's going on and you're like, what's happening to me? I don't know what's happening. Having someone there to really kind of support you and and help give you uh, sort of context and guidance is very, very helpful. And I truly, truly highly recommend it. I think that there is some things that we can kind of come to in a process of self-mastery and we can really go into sort of self-study. Um, but also there are, you know, um, I actually heard this analogy the other day of, okay, you know, if we're climbing Mount Everest, let's say maybe there's a certain kind of altitude that we can get to without the help or the guidance of a guide or a Sherpa, but there is altitudes as we go kind of higher and higher altitude wise, we do need sort of the guidance or the the sort of the guide um, to help us up that, you know, whatever part of the mountains is possible. So that's a good kind of analogy to describe, you know, we can kind of get to a certain point um, and, and then we sort of reach out for more support or more help. So I hope that's helpful for you. Um, uh, that's very, you know, it's a very exciting thing. It's something to, to get excited about. It's something to embrace. It's something to really, um, you know, get, be, be jazzed about discovering and developing and, and not making it a chore as well. I think some people, um, kind of find it like, 
oh, I got to, you know, try and connect to the other side, but it's so hard and, you know, nothing's happening or this kind of thing. And also just be patient as well as it sometimes takes some time to kind of bridge this gap between our everyday kind of conscious awareness and to the physical world to start actually noticing when, you know, when our loved ones are around or other people's loved ones are around us and how to actually notice it and then also interpret it and then communicate back again. So it does take time. It does take patience. Um, but I wish you the best of luck. All right. On to the next question. This question says, did you feel physical symptoms when you first started practicing mediumship? Is this normal? Yeah, this is a great question. So really, you know, I would say that my whole life I have been practicing mediumship. However, you know, only since I've actually kind of consciously started um, professionally practicing mediumship that, you know, there's sort of a distinction to draw there. So, I mean, the first times that I started actually experiencing the, the ability of mediumship working through me was when I was a very young child. And I did also have physical symptoms then. So all as like from the since since spirit started coming to me and starting to try and communicate through me, my physical symptoms have mainly been anxiety based. So when I would feel kind of I didn't I didn't know this at the time as well. I want to make that very clear as well. Um, I always just I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. I was always very, very high anxiety. Um, my whole, I worked, you know, I was so kind of committed to the fact that I had anxiety that I worked for various mental health organizations and, um, and wrote for an anxiety kind of based community blog and all this kind of stuff. I was really kind of heavily identified with the fact that I had anxiety, which, you know, that, that is just, this is just what's true for me is that I believe that my anxiety was never truly anxiety, that it was actually spirit. Um, so that was interesting learning about that, but, um, but that's not true for everybody. You know, anxiety is a truly very kind of real, um, physiological experience. And that is just, this is my personal experience. I'm only speaking from my personal experience and that may not be true for you. Um, but anxiety is kind of how I would experience it. So, I would, ha my heart would start racing. I would get like heart palpitations. I would have a very kind of a regular um, heart rhythm. I wouldn't be able to slow my heart rate down. My breathing would become kind of labored. Um, I would start sweating. I would get lightheaded and dizzy and have to sit down, right? So these are all kind of physical symptoms that I would feel when spirit came around me. But again, I didn't know that this was spirit coming around me until um, you know, until I actually started to have these kinds of things validated by somebody else. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. One of the things that actually really helped me was I was actually, so I've always kind of, you know, I would always like when I was growing up, I would watch Sylvia Brown on Montel Williams. If anybody else is in that camp and you used to watch Sylvia Brown on Montel, I'm with you. Um, I would watch the Long Island Media. Like I would watch all these kind of mediumship shows on TV and I was just, you know, very kind of curious about it. And one of the things that really kind of actually helped me realize that what I was experiencing maybe wasn't anxiety, it was actually a spirit-related thing, was I heard Teresa Caputo talk about the Long Island Medium. I heard her talk about how she she had panic disorder, she had anxiety, and she was agoraphobic for a, a really kind of large period of her life. She was afraid to go outside, couldn't go outside, couldn't go on car rides. It was just very, very overstimulating and very overwhelming for her. And she always kind of identified with it in that way. But then when she started to kind of wake up to the call of spirit, so to speak, 
she realized that that those experiences all along were kind of spirit trying to come through her. So um, that's a, it's just a really interesting perspective. It's probably I could probably talk um, kind of at length on the topic of the the link between anxiety and sort of uh, spirit abilities, mediumship abilities, psychic abilities. There's an amazing book that I recommend to all of my mentorship clients called The Gifts Beneath Your Anxiety by Pat Longo. I'm going to link that in the show notes so that you can all listen to it. It's a, it's a truly amazing book and it gives really good context around this subject. But maybe I'll do an episode on the future around the link between anxiety or physical symptoms and and mediumship because it's a very interesting thing. That's just my personal experience. I have also heard of people having a, a large array of different physical symptoms. Um, you know, their ears are ringing, they're buzzing, they lose their hearing, they have numbness in their hands and ex- in their extremities. They have a very intense headaches or migraines when they've never had headaches or migraines before. So it's very common for our physical body to be kind of um, on alert when we are experiencing a new frequency, whether that is a mediumship frequency or otherwise. So yes, to answer your question, it is a very, very normal. And um, there are lots of amazing tools and ways to work with that. So great question. All right, on to the next question. This is a personal question, which I love. Um, I asked, I, I told you guys you could ask personal questions and I actually enjoy answering answering personal questions. So this question says, what is your personal favorite energy healing modality or what is the what has been the most transformative for you? That's a great question. You know, I think there's I have done a lot of different things. I've I've kind of engaged in all different kinds of energy healing modalities. And ultimately for me personally and again, this is just in my personal experience, I actually prefer to kind of move the energy in my own system or move the energy in my own body um, for the most part on a daily basis. And then like once or twice a year, maybe a little bit more than that, I will have a little kind of energy healing tune-up such as Reiki or that kind of thing um, by some another practitioner who I love and trust. Um, but that is kind of fewer and far between. I actually really like to practice the kind of art of moving energy through my own system, um, through the practice of Kundalini yoga or other kind of, you know, similar modalities, meditation, things like that. Um, so from an energy healing perspective, I actually tend to kind of like take care of it on my own with, with exception of, um, of have, of bringing in some trusted practitioners a couple times a year if needed or if necessary. And then I also uh, really love, I, I really actually prefer physical body work. I find that actually more beneficial for my system. Um, so I love to go see my osteopath. I'm obsessed with my osteopath. The first time I sat down with my osteopath, he was talking about how he could change the weather. And we I was sitting on his table and he sat down and it was sunny outside and, and, you know, like beautiful, like bright, bright sun, beautiful blue, blue, blue sky. And he's going, he's, he looks at me, he's going, I'm going to, I'm going to make it like go cloudy. And so he sits down and he closes his eyes and he gets all like focused and concentrated. And, um, and all of a sudden the, the, the sky starts to change the clouds, the wind kind of changes direction and the, the clouds start to come in over the sky. Uh, and, and I was hooked, um, from that moment, my osteopath uh, taught me how to change the weather and I was hooked. So, um, I actually really love kind of modalities like that. I go see an osteopath. I go for massage therapy. Um, I'll go to my chiropractor who's wonderful. So I really enjoy kind of the art of adjusting the energy physically within the body 
and then supplementing with my own kind of uh, yoga practice and energy clearing practices that I have kind of created um, for myself. So that is the situation on my personal uh, favorite energy healing modalities and the most the ones that have been the most transformative for me. But um, I love my osteopath. He's the coolest dude ever. Maybe one day I'll have him on the podcast, actually, and he can teach you all how to change the weather. <laughs> I, was a co- I was like, at first, you know, I'm pretty weird and I'm used to having pretty weird conversations with a lot of different people. But that was a new one um, because he kind of goes a little incognito in his practice. He definitely doesn't come off as the sort of person who, you you know, would start talking about changing the weather with you. But um, all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to make the cloud, the sky go uh from sunny to cloudy. I'm like, okay, like <laughs> whatever you say. And he started to do it. I was like, that was insane. Um, and then of course, as soon as he finished, the sky went back to like beautiful blue, sunny skies again. So, you know, maybe I'll have him on the podcast one day. All right. Next question. Why would a spirit baby choose somebody who had had several abortions? This is a great question. And it's, it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different, um, kind of dimensions to this. And definitely on this podcast, we are not in any way afraid to go into some more kind of topics that others may be sort of um, afraid to talk about, because I think that, you know, there's a lot of uh, shame that is sort of piled around this topic or the topic of abortion or otherwise. So this is a great question. And I really, really, um, really just sending all of my love to the person who asked this question because even, you know, asking this question can take some some courage to even type this out. So um so really kind of seeing you and uh, and and respecting you deeply. Okay. So it's a bit multifaceted. Um but let me just start by saying that and we're ta- when we're talking about spirit babies, we're also for anybody who's listening and they don't know what um, this person means by this question is, I believe that the the souls of the children who are coming onto this planet and incarnating with various different families and parents, um, there's no coincidence to that. There's no, it's not just a random kind of soul of a child that you're getting, you know, um, sort of like a a vending machine kind of situation. It's, it's very intentional, and there's a lot of thought and energy and effort that goes into the souls of these children really kind of choosing the the sort of lineage that they are coming into um and so it's it's it, there, there's so many different dimensions to it and i could probably spend again a whole episode simply on this question but basically there's a very intentional process um for a spirit baby or the soul of a child who is looking to come onto this planet and so let's say they chose somebody uh, they chose a a family um, and there's been kind of, there was a connection in the family. And, and let me just say that I have had this experience with many clients before. Um, so this is not a new situation. I have seen these kind of experiences directly in my work. Um, and so let's say a soul of a child shows a family. And when that family found out that, um, or, you know, there's many different reasons that an abortion would be necessary. So I don't want to just pigeonhole this into one specific experience. There's many, many, many different reasons. But let's just say um, in this specific example, this is a soul of a child who has come into kind of the, um, who who is conceived by a, a family and, um, and and that family decided that it was not um, it, it was not accessible or available for them to have that child or bring that child um, to um, term. 
in pregnancy or there was a genetic issue or whatever. Like, again, there's so many different things that we could look at here. But again, just sticking to this example for, um, for you know, just to kind of keep it um, as simple as possible. And so it was not possible for this this family to to bring this child into the world. And so they decided to make the decision to terminate the pregnancy. Now, one thing that I want to say is that a spirit baby is able to, they have, you know, they have the bird's eye view, they have a higher perspective, they're able to see, hear, and know things that, um, you know, we couldn't even imagine or dream of. Um, and so there's two kind of different ways that this could go. Number one, uh, you know, and here's the thing, we have free will, right? As human beings, we have free will. So even if a child was kind of meant to come into our family, um, we have free will and we have kind of control over the timing and the choices that we make in our life. And and that's the beauty of being human is that we have free will. Um, and that's, you know, that's why a lot of people, that's why a lot of souls are coming to earth because they have free, the ability to make free will choices and make their own decisions. And so this, this is a, a decision that you have made and you have kind of come to this decision for whatever reason that was needed or necessary for you. And so, but but one thing that I want to say is that before we even make the decision, the spirit baby or the soul of the child already understands our decision completely, wholly and totally. There is no judgment. There is no shame. There is no anger. There is no sadness. They may be a little bit, um, you know, temporarily disappointed that they weren't able to meet you in this kind of current conception cycle, but there is no shame. There is no anger and there is no sadness. So that actually in and of itself answers the question that the spirit baby understands your motivations and your reasons for not being able to carry out the pregnancy. They can actually kind of fast forward through time and see, hey, if I did actually decide to incarnate right now in this current conception cycle, this is how it would turn out and this is how it would be in XYZ and it just wasn't the right timing or whatever the others, whatever the situation was. And so Basically, they already understand and they're not mad at you. They're not judging you. They are not hurt. They're not sad. They completely understand. So that answers the question of why would a, a spirit baby choose someone um, with several abortions? Because they understand that you are exercising your free will and there is no problem with that. There is no issue with that. And they always and, you know, if, 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 a, if a spirit baby is coming back to a, a mother or back to um, a person, not just not just females can um, not just females can conceive children also, um, but coming back to a human being, a child is coming to a human being. Um, they they understand that that this might be an opportunity that that the, the the human person may may take. So they are hopeful and they are they are loving and they are completely forgiving and they do not judge us. Um, you know, so the big thing that I always hear from spirit babies is like, we don't judge you. So why are you judging yourself for this? You know, um, just really kind of having encouraging spirit babies often encourage the parents to have peace around their decision um, and to know that you know there is no hard feeling. And there is only complete understanding and love. So that is, I hope that answers your question in terms of why a spirit baby would kind of come to somebody who had had several um, abortion experiences. Um, they just they get it. They understand. And there's no judgment and no shame. And uh, and, and they're just hopeful and 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 super loving and very forgiving. It's very it's a very pure energy, the, the energy of spirit babies, the energy of kind of the, the, the soul of a child who's preparing to come onto this planet is a very pure energy. Um, and very forgiving. So I hope that answers your question.
the next question actually kind of piggybacks on the the last question, the previous question. Um, and so it will be actually kind of partially answered. But this question says, can a spirit baby come to the same parents more than once if they've miscarried the child or aborted the child? Um, so this is a great question. Short answer. The answer is absolutely 1000% yes. Um, I have actually seen this in action um, of, of a, a soul of a child who... Um, there was a terminated pregnancy and the soul of this child actually came back to the person that I was working with a couple of years later. Uh, and it was just, I remember his message, um, it's a, this, this kind of uh, soul when I was connecting to it was male. And when he finally incarnated on the earth, he was also male. Is He basically just said, you know, I'm here when you're ready and I will keep trying until you are ready again, until the circumstances are right, until the timing is right, until the setting is right, until the environment is right. So absolutely, they come back to the same parents more than once if they've miscarried or aborted. It really just depends on that specific soul's kind of uh, contractual agreement with either for themselves or with you, with their parents. So um, some souls actually just come to have a very short experience in utero, whether that is a couple of weeks, a couple of days, a couple hours. They are that's simply kind of their their purpose. Their their they are just here to kind of be in utero um, for a short period of time, and then their sort of cycle is complete, and they have no plans on coming back. However, other souls or other children have uh, they they are really supposed to be kind of coming through a certain family or a certain kind of set of of, of parent figures, and so they will they will come back as many times as possible until they are incarnated on the planet in your family. So it really just depends. It is different for every soul. It's not the same. There is definitely not a one size fits all answer here. Next question. How to support an intuitive child? I love this question. You all know I love this question. I love anything to do with children, spirit babies, all that kind of stuff. I really believe there's such a powerful um powerful wave of these souls coming onto this planet right now of just these supra, supra highly intelligent psychic children, um, these kind of, you know, interdimensional children who are just very cosmic, very, very cosmic and very interdimensional children. So, um, and I always say like, especially within the last, I mean, definitely within the last kind of, uh, 10 years, more specifically in the last five years, there's a big wave of these new kind of souls, these new children, highly, highly sensitive children coming onto the planet. So, you know, I, there's so many different ways to support an intuitive child, knowing that especially if you've had a, a child or if your children are kind of under the age of 10, that even if you consider yourself to be sort of a sensitive or an intuitive kind of person who is aware of energy or whatever the case may be, that your child is 100 times more sensitive than y you could even conceptualize yourself to be. And so, first of all, um, you know, that's just one thing to to keep in mind. Like, I may be feeling it this way. Uh, and and my child is actually kind of probably feeling this a hundred times more than I am. So that's a huge thing to keep in mind, right? Just knowing that our children are, especially these children in the last five to 10 years, are even more highly perceptive and sensitive than we could ever conceptualize or imagine. And especially if you consider yourself to be a pretty sensitive, perceptive or psychic person, a person who's really kind of aware of your psychic um, ability, then you can just imagine how 
severely sensitive these children are. So just knowing the kind of the, the, the scale and the magnitude of their sensitivity is the first step. And obviously, when we have kind of higher level of psychic sensitivity, um, it, it, that we, we need to be doing things differently to support our children. So number one, just knowing that and kind of keeping that in mind as you sort of move through the world with your children is a very important piece. Um, another thing that is really helpful um, is like these, these children need help clearing energy out. Um, they don't necessarily know how to do that yet, depending on how young they are, um, but they need help clearing energy out. So there's lots of different ways that you can do that. One of the things that I will absolutely be doing for my children um, when I eventually bring children onto this planet is playing mantra, um, playing sacred kind of mantra um, around the house during the day, placing a mantra box, playing mantra in uh, the child's room to kind of support them while they're sleeping, to keep any kind of, um, you know, sort of lower energy away or or kind of keep to place this beautiful protective shield around their bed as they're sleeping, especially if they're having sleeping issues sleeping or scared or night terrors, nightmares, whatever the case may be. Playing mantra is a really really big one. And just kind of like treating them as you would yourself when you need to clear energy. If there's been an intense, you know, kind of um, experience, an emotional experience, knowing that they need to clear that out just as we need to clear that out. So having them, teaching them from a very young age how to discharge energy. So let's say they you know, witnessed a fight while they were at school. They witnessed two of their closest friends having a really kind of heated, heavily charged argument. Um, and they kind of came home a little distraught or a little distressed. Well, teaching them how to discharge the energy, jump up and down, shake the body around, dance, clear out the energy, express what you felt when you were experiencing the energy, just really teaching children how to discharge their own kind of um, emotional sort of waves. This is something I'll actually be teaching about at length in my membership platform. I'm going to do a whole series on supporting intuitive children and kind of using techniques and tools on how to actually help them clear energy out because um, they they really need help doing that. So um, I, those are some good kind of suggestions to start. I think just the awareness piece is so key, so huge. The mantra piece, protecting them, um, sort of playing the mantras, teaching them a mantra that they can even kind of come back to, um, giving them little tools and tips and resources that they can actually use themselves, really just empowering them to know that their kind of psychic sensitivity is not a, 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 a detriment to them, that it's a, a, a massive kind of, um, really beautiful, beautiful experience uh, for them to move through the world and just really empowering them from a young age, like explaining it to them as well, like kind of going, okay, so you're feeling it like this and this is what you're feeling or you're experiencing this psychically or you're experiencing this emotionally. And the reason that you're experiencing that is because give them context because so often uh, and, and you know, sometimes they might not need it. They may know exactly what you're talking about. And you're like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, mom, I know. But, um, but you know, it just really kind of depends on the child. But um, giving them context of their experiences is always really kind of, you know, just being very honest with these children because they're very intelligent. And, you know, we can't like, you know, sort of get anything past them. They're very intelligent, intelligent, highly, highly sensitive psychic beings. So um, it's very hard to, yeah, you just don't like, we don't need to kind of like sugarcoat anything. We can just be super honest with them um, and kind of let them know what's happening with them and how they can support themselves and how you plan on supporting them as well. Um, so those are some really great ways to support your intuitive child. All right, next question. How can we discern spirit signs from just seeing or making our own meaning of things. So I think what 
this person means by this question is like, how can we discern from just sort of like regular everyday experiences um, and actual kind of uh, spirit um, signs or experiences or sort of uh, extrasensory experiences? Um, and it's a good question because, you know, here's the thing. This world is full of magic. We this This planet is full of so much more magic than we could even understand. And the mind really likes to kind of play tricks on us. I'm really convinced us that um, th 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 there's nothing more but the physical world and that's all that there is and this is all that there will ever be. And that's kind of a really, you know, common rhetoric or common narrative is that, um, you know, everything is explainable, everything is logical, everything can be explained. But in reality, that's just not true. There are many different things on this planet that we can't explain and that we, you know, just kind of... Um, yeah, that we can't explain, that can't, that are un, unexplainable. And so I think what you mean by this question is how can I kind of, um, you know, separate the difference between just, again, like a regular everyday experience and an actual kind of higher experience of anything. And, you know, my, my answer to this question is kind of twofold. Number one, how do we, like, isn't everything, every kind of experience that happens on this earth, um, that it is kind of, you know, an experience of of the divine. Maybe we just don't realize it in whatever way. But also we are meaning makers as human beings and we do like to make meaning out of things. And the reason that we like to make meaning out of things is kind of when we're becoming, when we are sort of overly, um, uh, when we're really kind of overly desperate for something to, to, to kind of make meaning of. So I always just say like, when we're not sure and we're kind of doubting ourselves, like, okay, was that really a sign? Was that really an extrasensory experience? Was that really, you know, spirit trying to connect with me? Was that really this? Was that really that? Is that number one, if you have to think about it like that, if you have to kind of like battle with yourself and fight with yourself, um, probably not. Um, probably not. Like if you are really questioning it and you're really just like, was that? I don't know. Am I just like making this up? Am I making making meaning of it? It just it really requires kind of a high level of um, discernment, um, which you know, I know you included in your question is like, how can we discern this? But it does include a high level of discernment. And I always just say, like, go with the feeling of it. Like, did that feel true for me? Did that feel like I was touching heaven? Did that feel like an extrasensory experience? Did that feel like a spirit sign? That's what I trust. I don't I don't go into my head and start kind of thinking about it. As soon as I go into my head, I know I'm lost and I just should, you know, kind of throw in the towel because um, I've gone into the, the mind process, which is just not where we experience spirit. We don't experience spirit in kind of an overly logical, mental, analytical kind of way. As soon as we go into that, we're letting the mind kind of rule the experience and we're not letting the body and the feeling rule the experience. I also always like to look at, because, you know, I actually do come from kind of a science background, I always like to look at kind of the odds or the probability of something happening. Um, you know, so like, what are the chances of that happening at the exact moment? You know, what are kind of what are the odds? Or like, is it something that you see every day? So let's just say you ask for uh, a number sign. Let's just say you wake up in the morning and you're like, you know what? I, w I really want to see a 444 today. And you know that when you go on your morning walk every day that you're going to walk by a sign that says 444 on it. You know that it's there, right? And so you're going along, walking, you know, about on your way. And of course, you pass by the spot where you see the 444. Like you could technically take that as a sign, but also you kind of intellectually knew that you would be walking by the sign that had the 444 on it. Does that make sense? Right. So we kind of have to 
let these things fall in our path rather than looking for them on our path, um, rather than kind of like trying to orchestrate it so that we can be in the right place at the right time to get the sign, right? So that's just kind of trying to manipulate the experience rather than letting the experience kind of come to us. And that's really the best way that we can. And don't force it. You know, I was just don't don't try and force a sign. Like if you ask for a 444 and you see a 44, that's not the same thing. Right. It's like, OK, you know, it's but it's a four or four, but it's part of it. No, no, no. You, you you wait and you hold out for the actual kind of true mystical experience of seeing the specific number sign or the specific symbol that you looked for. So don't try and force the meaning is one thing that I would really say. Um, and, and you can tell, like, be honest with yourself. You know when you're forcing a meaning. Right. And, you know, when 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 there's actually something that is truly synchronistic, that is truly serendipitous and, and there's a feeling difference to those two things. Right. So great question. All right. Um, the next question is, is intuition a gut feeling? This is a great question because I think that it's actually this sort of um, narrative around like, listen to your gut, listen to your gut is actually kind of misguided because intuition for a lot of people, for, you know, for, for a lot of people, and I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on this. If you relate to, for anybody listening, if you relate to your intuition as a gut feeling, I'd love to hear from you um, because I kind of have a theory around this that relates to human design. So, um, so let me know. Um, but, but, you know, there's this kind of narrative, like intuition is, is your, like, listen to your gut. Intuition is your gut feeling, which I don't think is true for every person. If that's how you experience it, fantastic. I think that intuition can present in many different ways. And so when we kind of push this one singular narrative, like it's a gut feeling for some people who aren't experiencing it in that way, it can be really disorienting. So if intuition feels like a gut feeling for you, if you have actually kind of a gut experience or sort of what we call like a sacral experience, you know, around sort of the, the, the stomach area, the belly button area, then amazing. Then that probably is how it presents for you. Um, but I don't believe that intuition is solely just a gut feeling. It present, can present in many different ways. So just really, um, you know, again, there shouldn't be any kind of one size fits all information um, that, you know, we always have to hold space for all of the different uh, sort of presentations of how intuition might present for somebody. Um, but that is definitely one of the ways that it can present. So, yes, to answer your short answer, yes. When did I start to, this is a personal question, when did you start to trust what you felt, the messages that you got in your abilities? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know if there is any specific moment where I was like, yeah, I fully trust myself and my abilities and the messages that I'm getting. I think it's just really been a process like anything else. Uh, I truly can't pinpoint the moment. It really has been kind of an evolution with lots of different phases and levels and um, kind of, you know, processes to it. But um, but it was, again, it, yeah, it's very, very, very hard to pinpoint. And there's no specific amount of time that I could say, you know, it's not like, okay, after two years of, you know, of, of connecting with spirit, that's when I started to really trust the messages I got. I really think it's very, very different from person to person through a development process, intuition, spiritual kind of awakening or otherwise. Um, and it kind of depends also, I, I truly believe on the amount of, of mental activity we have. And how we're managing our mental activity or our thoughts. You know, if we have kind of heavy mental activity, it is going to be a little bit harder for us to kind of um, trust the messages that we're getting or trust, you know, kind of the, 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 the trusting our abilities or things like that. I also think it's very much connected to our sort of baseline level of self-worth and the way that we relate to our self-worth and our sort of self-worth identity. I believe that those two things are very connected. So 
It really just depends. And I would say that, um, again, there is no kind of specific timeline, but, um, but, you know, I do know that I, 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 I'm in the place that I'm at with my kind of tr- self-trust um, and the, the trust of my abilities and the trust of my path is I know that I never thought that it was possible for me to be here. So if you're at the point where like, you're like, am I ever going to trust myself? Is this ever going to be possible for me? I promise you it is. Um, I would really kind of look into uh, if you're finding that you have a kind of an issue with overthinking or over intellectualizing things. And questioning yourself and doubting yourself, really diving into some kind of self-trust practice would be amazing for you or kind of looking into uh, examining uh, your your own sort of self-worth and doing some um, looking into doing some some kind of work or healing on that. Both of those things really helped me exponentially in terms of trusting what I felt messages that I got and my own abilities. So great question. Thanks for your question. All right. Next question. I got two questions left. All right. This question says, is there a heaven or is heaven whatever we think it is? This is such a good question. Yeah. You know, um, personally, I I think there's lots of different kind of words or terms for how we relate to life after death. So for some people, they really relate to the word heaven. Some people, they relate to kind of, you know, the next phase, the next dimension, the next kind of experience, the other side. I tend to prefer to call it sort of the the other side, Um, you know, just the other side of things or the next phase or, you know, that I tend to kind of relate a little bit more to that languaging. Um, but yes, there is absolutely a kind of a, a, an experience after death. Uh, I can confirm this. It, you know, I think that um, it, it wouldn't be possible for me to do the work that I do unless there was some sort of um, dimension after our souls leave our physical bodies. So yes, 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 there is absolutely. Um, and I think that everybody's kind of conception, sort of how people, everybody conceptualizes life after death is very different and it's going to to differ from person to person. And I can actually verify that based on how we sort of, um, how we relate to what we think the other side is actually does have a bearing on how we experience the other side when we get there. One thing that I have learned from Spirit is that it's kind of a choose your own adventure kind of thing that we can kind of really co-create our next phase experience just as we can co-create our sort of reality on the, the planet Earth. So it really is much much of the same. We do it at kind of a a lower level here because we are working with a denser physical reality. So it would only make sense that on the other side, we can really kind of choose our own adventure, choose our own reality, choose our own environment and the setting and the people that we are around um, at a much kind of more advanced level. So it really just does depend for person to person. So however you relate to the heaven kind of the other side experience, as long as it's empowering, because I promise you one thing that the other side is, and this does not change from person to person is it is absolutely just the most beautiful, most joyful, the highest kind of vibration of of love um, that you could ever imagine or conceptualize. It is true, pure consciousness and and pure, pure, pure love and joy. Um, One of the things I always joke about is that every time I connect to the other side or connect to somebody's loved ones, oftentimes when I come off a reading, I have something called a spirit high. And what that means is it's kind of how I what I call like when I have the chance to touch heaven, 
when I have the chance to interact with a, a person who is on the, the in the next phase or they're on the other side is I actually get to come back with a little bit of that joy, a little bit of that love, a little bit of that um, peace, whatever the emotion is. And, and that's just like the best part. Um, I mean, there's so many amazing parts about what I do, but the spirit high is really one, one special, special experience. Um, so, so, so yeah, you know, it's just really, it's, it's very different um, for, from person to person. And I also want to completely kind of just acknowledge that um, even though I do this work every day and I work with the other side every day, I do not understand everything. There are still things that are a complete mystery to me. And that's kind of the point. I'm okay with having things not be completely crystal clear as like, this is what happens then. And then you go here and then you go here and then you go here. I don't want to know everything. I, you know, there is so much about being a human being that there is a bit of an element of mystery. And I think that's okay. Um, and when we kind of just really trust and surrender in the process that we are going to be taking care of in the afterlife and that we are going to be safe and with the people that we love and able to still kind of do the same things that we always do, it really, really minimizes our fear of death. Personally, I have absolutely no fear of death based on the work that I do. I used to be incredibly afraid of dying. It was it was something that would in, could induce a panic attack in like a split second. Um, but but now it is something that I completely embrace and I ironically look forward to in in one way or another. So um, just really kind of rewriting our I believe we can really rewrite our um, our kind of how we relate to death um, in, in how we kind of understand um, personally and intimately uh, what the other side or what heaven will may look like for us. So I hope that helps to answer your question. And it's very multifaceted also. And I will just add this last little piece, very multifaceted. And somebody else will probably answer that question much differently than I will. And that's because that's just my personal experience um, of something that, you know, of a place that I haven't necessarily been for an extended amount of time. Um, so, but you can hear lots of accounts of people who have near-death experiences. And there is a similarity in kind of these people's NDEs and what they experience when the soul actually leaves the body. But there's a lot of differences, too. And that's just a perfect testament to how different it is from person to person. So anyway, great question. All right. Last question. Last but not least from one of the great loves of my life, Kristen Hinman. She says, do you think your latest alchemy process or a kind of um, ascension process is because of the intelligence meditation? So this is a great question from Kristen. Um, for those of you, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I have since January 1st, 2020, um, because I looked ahead to 2020, asked my guides, what's 2020 going to be like? And they were like, it's going to be a shit show, you know, prepare yourself and kind of like get ready, um, is I started doing a meditation on January 1st, 2020 called the Intelligence Meditation from the, the Kundalini tradition, um, which is essentially a meditation that's designed. It's actually basically in the meditation, you're actually... Um, moving your fingers in a specific way and that your fingers kind of represent the planets of Jupiter and Saturn. And if you follow astrology at all, you know that there is a pretty big astrological event coming in December 2020 that involves Jupiter and Saturn. I believe it's December 21st, 2020, but don't quote me on that. And basically, you, the whole kind of thing with this meditation is you're moving these planets, moving the energy of these planets, Saturn, which is kind of the the energy of the taskmaster, its discipline, its wisdom through learned experience and so on, and the planet Jupiter, which is luck, expansion, and opportunity. 
and you're bringing these two energies together to kind of bring a higher level of intelligence into your system, into your body, and into your mind stream. And so to answer Kristen's question, yes, I absolutely believe that this meditation has helped me exponentially to move through this year um, with relative grace uh, and with relative kind of understanding. And I recognize that um, at coming into this year, I was already somebody in quite a privileged position where I'm able to work from home. Um, there was a lot of things that I kind of had on my side, and I recognized that not everybody on this this planet, um, a lot of people on this planet have been heavily, heavily affected um, by by this this year. And, 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 and all of what's come with it. And I personally know uh, many clients and people who have lost loved ones due to suicide or just due to um, just depression because of the, the, the events of the world. So I recognize um, I don't want to negate the sort of the heaviness of this, of this year by any means in any way. Um, but for me, I really believe that this kind of intelligence meditation has really, really, really helped me. Um, move through this this year with uh, intelligence and kind of a higher perspective and and with relative grace, like I said. So yes, to answer your question, yes, Kristen, that would be yes, that would be true. Um, and if anyone's interested in learning more about the intelligence meditation, I'm happy to share. You can start anytime. I personally just started on the on the new year because I knew that kind of having a high level of psychic intelligence was going to be so so paramount to help us kind of move through um, 2020, which is really what this meditation is all about. So. So that is it. That is all, everybody. Thanks for all of your amazing questions. I missed some for sure, um, but I hope to come back on here really soon and do another Q&A with all the... I've written down and recorded all of the questions that I was asked, and I look forward to answering them again in the future. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A episode. Please let me know if you have any questions based on the questions that I answered. Um, and as always, all of my answers from these questions come from my personal experience. If it doesn't feel true to you, the, the way that I've answered this question, um, if it doesn't resonate with you, that is completely okay. You do not have to take it as truth. Um, and, you know, I really want to empower you into the truth of your own experience. And that is the most important thing to me. That is really how we accomplish true mental, physical, emotional uh, sovereignty. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to talk with you all soon. Have a beautiful day. I love you. Bye.